This podcast is intended for mature audiences only. It is important to note that the opinions expressed here do not necessarily represent the views of Classic City Crime Podcast or Cameron Jett. All persons are ultimately innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Classic City Crime. I'm Cameron J. In part four of the story of Robbie and Janelle, we're going to finally take a closer look at the investigation once it gained traction and centered on one person, Janelle's uncle, Billy Mac Devine. As a reminder, Janelle's parents passed away. You know they left the trust fund, and that trust fund was being managed by Mr. Devine, who lived around Tampa, Florida. From all accounts, I'm going to be honest, it seems as though Billy Mac Devine initially made sure that Janelle was getting small sums of her inheritance in order to make ends meet, and ultimately to take care of Kelsey once she was born in 93. But here's the thing, Billy Mac Devine and his wife seemed to do much more than manage Janelle's finances as it related to the trust. They seemingly served as a second set of parents to Kelsey prior to Janelle and Robbie's murder. It was not unusual for the young couple to let their daughter go down to Florida, where they knew she would be taken care of for extended periods of time. Perhaps this was done to give the couple a break. Maybe even time to allow them to enjoy the things they loved or to explore their future together, independent of that new responsibility. Or, at least prior to the murder, it seemed all of these things might be well-intentioned. It's worth noting, though, I have reached out to the Divines. No response to my repeated attempts to share their version of the story with all of you. So, Mr. and Mrs. Divine, if you are listening... Please know, and I mean this with all sincerity, you will always have a place on this podcast to share your story. At the very least, Kelsey deserves that. I asked several of Robbie and Janelle's friends if they were aware of the Divines and their relationship with Robbie and Janelle. You already know Sean was aware of it, but others found it odd, too. That her baby was off in Florida with a family member. I just, I thought that was really weird. It wasn't until the funeral that the drama really started unfolding around this possible scenario. A double funeral was held for both Robbie and Janelle together at Lord and Stephen's funeral homes. And guess what? That's the funeral home I used to work for. The Divines came from Florida to attend the funeral, but one person one very important person was missing, baby Kelsey. This, of course, was a shock to the Bryant family hoping to meet baby Kelsey for some of them for the first time. But it was also a shock to friends like Stephanie, Nissa. So that, I thought that, I immediately thought about Kelsey and was like, where was she? I, I had no idea where she was, how who was taking care of her. Um, I I really thought about, can I take care of her? You know, again, I've never met this infant. I just knew her mother. When the funeral was over, many people expected Billy McDevine to go to the police department to be interviewed, but 
he went somewhere else instead to the Athens probate court. It was there that he filed a will that he claimed had been signed by Janelle Helms prior to her murder. What did that will do? It named Divine as the guardian of baby Kelsey. But his plan didn't stop there in addition to filing a will that named him as the guardian. It was reported by Randy Travis of Fox 5 Atlanta, who you're going to hear from later, that Divine had also taken out a life insurance policy on his niece in the amount of, get this, $200,000. That life insurance policy named baby Kelsey as the beneficiary. A source close to the DA's office at the time told me that it was the surprise will, the trust fund that Divine had been tasked with looking after, and the life insurance policy that had seemingly been taken out at an opportune time that made prosecutors and investigators finally turn their attention to a motive as old as time, what some people might call the root of all evil money. Through the course of the investigation, it was learned that Devine had reportedly used money from the trust fund. And you'll also recall that it's that trust fund Robbie and Janelle were seeking to obtain to start their business. It's said that he used it for his own personal use, in fact, used more than the law allows. Credit card debt, investments into business ventures that might seem odd, like a company trying to find sunken treasure off the coast of Florida. It was learned by Randy Travis through his reporting that Divine had also used some of the money to invest in a business that would then turn around and hire Divine as CEO. Now, doesn't that sound a little bit shady, to say the least? And what do you think would have happened if Robbie and Janelle were seeking to gain money that was quite literally no longer there, gone. Can you imagine what that might have meant for their lives and their ultimate demise? It's really shocking to think about that. In fact, Sean Fannin says that if they had known something was missing, Janelle would have fought like hell to make sure justice was served. They were meeting in good faith on they're going to present their case and Billy Mac was going to have to accept that they were making a good case for legitimate business and legitimate return to school. And uh, none of us had any thought that it was going to turn around and be basically impossible for him to concede because the money was gone. And do you think what do you think Janelle and Robbie's reaction would have been if if they had been told or informed that the money was gone? Would they have been litigious? Do you think? Oh, beyond question. She was already, like I said, we talked about the fact that if he had resisted with her right, presenting yeah, yeah, yeah. a good case, that she was prepared to see if she could get a lawyer to help her. And we were talking about, you know, they could work on contingency because we still thought there was plenty of money in the trust fund. So, um, yeah, that, that there's there's no doubt in my mind she was prepared to be, you know, to to, to push him on it uh, without knowing that the money was gone. She was just going to push him on it on the fact of I have legitimate cause and I have presented it according to the the rules of the trust fund, you know, and you're you're resisting me on that. 
So she was ready to go to bat for that. If she had known he'd gutted it, there's no question. She was, she, she was absolutely, she had a temper like you would not believe. And she, she went off on me enough times. I can tell you that she would have gone off on him. So what happened to Divine as it relates to the reported stealing of the trust fund money? Well, a Clark County grand jury indicted him on theft and perjury counts. The probate court in the classic city at the time ruled that he be removed as the executor of the will. So then you might be asking what became of those indictments? What was Divine's defense about the fact that, get this, the estate of Janelle was worth a north of $300,000 before her death. Money that, keep in mind, upon her death would have then belonged to who? Baby Kelsey. At the time of the proceedings, that $300,000 had dwindled down to just a few thousand dollars. We're going to discuss all of this and more. We'll be right back. In 1987, two retired University of Georgia professors are murdered. The case grows cold. Months pass by until the killer strikes again, killing three more women at Cars Hill. The case horrified residents of the classic city who wondered if they might be next. Ultimately, a 15-turned-16-year-old young man named Clinton Bankston is held responsible for all five murders, sentenced to life in prison, where he remains today. Hear the full story, including the harrowing accounts of officers who worked what they describe as the most awful crime scenes of their careers by subscribing to the award-winning Classic City Crime at anchor.fm slash classiccitycrime slash subscribe. But for now, let's get back to the story of Robbie and Janelle. Ed Tolley is a name that many of you know, whether you're local to Athens or you've listened to previous seasons of Classic City Crime. Mr. Tolley is perhaps one of the most talented and sought-after defense attorneys in the area. You'll recall that in a previous season, he was the one who represented 15-turned-16-year-old Clinton Bankston in 1987. That representation prevented the child from being given the death penalty after he pled guilty to murdering five Athenians. So who did Divine call in his hour of need? Well, Ed Tolley, of course. And I'll say I reached out to have Ed back on the podcast a couple of times where he could explain the situation present day, but his court calendar at this time seemingly is just a little too heavy. But here's what he told Fox 5's Randy Travis of Eyewitness News in an interview that aired in the 90s about Mr. Devine using some of the money from the trust. We expect to prove that the amount of money he personally received did not exceed the amount of the fee he was lawfully entitled to obtain. The jury, however, did not buy that. The jury did acquit Devine of unlawfully acquiring the funds as charged in count one of the indictment, but they did find him guilty of unlawfully appropriating the funds after acquiring them. That was count two. Devine was sentenced to prison time, actually, for the unlawful appropriation of the money after acquiring it, but the conviction was overturned in an appeal, Devine versus State, submitted by attorney Ed Tolley. The reason? A technicality. 
This case related to perjury and stealing of the money was tried right here in Athens-Clark County, Georgia. But the money and the assets were being held in a bank in Tampa, Florida. The courts decided that because of that venue issue, this should have been charged and tried in the state of Florida. So Divine's conviction in the Peach State was overturned, and get this, the case has never been retried in a Florida court of law. But you see, the case of the missing money and the misappropriation of funds is only part of the legal battle that would affect the lives of the Divines, yes, but of baby Kelsey and of the surviving Bryant family members, Robbie's family, that lived here in Athens. Baby Kelsey, get this, remained in the custody of Mr. and Mrs. Devine until she was somewhere around two years old. The courts appointed Roy Finch, a local Athens attorney, to represent the interests of baby Kelsey to fight for her. And Mr. Finch was able to get the police department in the 90s to say that Billy McDevine was a suspect, a person of interest in her parents' murder. In fact, get this. In August of 1995, Randy Travis of Fox 5 Atlanta also reported, quote, Devine admitted to seeing Kelsey's parents the week they were last seen alive, but he told investigators he does not know who shot his niece or her boyfriend. End quote. How much more do you need to get a little girl finally removed from the grasp of someone who might have used her to get an in with her parents, yes, but also might have murdered her parents, too? It was only then that baby Kelsey was finally returned home here to Athens, where she was raised by two people she really had never met, Robbie Bryant's brother Rick and his wife, Diane. The saga of the custody battle was detailed by Randy Travis of Fox 5 Atlanta. In an exclusive interview with Classic City Crime, Randy had this to say about what it was like to be in the room as the ruling on the custody dispute was handed down, to watch as the Divines and the Bryants fumbled through the papers to find out who would finally take baby Kelsey home. There was a very dramatic moment in the courtroom. It wasn't even a courtroom, it was more of a conference room. This was um, Judge Peter Taylor. He's the one who ultimately decided where you should go live. Either stay with the Divines or come back to Georgia um, with the Bryants. And he'd, hold, he'd held a hearing, and there was testimony and psychiatrists and psychologists and all sorts of people, you know, um, going back and forth. Um, the Bryants, I thought, had the upper hand because the judge here in Georgia had put Rick as, the, uh, as your guardian. But possession is nine-tenths of the law, and you were still in the possession of the divines down there. So there's this moment where the judge is ready to issue his decision. And cameras were not allowed in this conference room, mm-hmm. but I was. So just imagine there's a, a, a long conference table, and the judge is at one end, and then along one side are Rick and Diane Bryant, and on the other side is Billy Mac Devine and Shirley and some other Devines, okay? And I'm at the very end. And so Judge Taylor sits down and he says, This has been a very tough decision, uh, but I've made my decision. And I have two copies of it. And he hands it 
to each side and then just sits back. Hmm. And so the two of them, and it's like a 10, 12-page decision. There's all sorts of law in there. So I look at the Bryants, and they're going through it, the paper really fast. I look over at the Divines, they're going through the paper really fast. They're trying to get to the end. I'm like, who's going to win here? Hmm. And the Bryants grab each other, and they start crying. And I realized they're going home. She's going back to Athens. Hmm. She's going back home with the Bryants. And after that, um, everybody left. Kelsey um, was given to some court personnel, and the Bryants, I'm sorry, the Divines had brought your car seat and some toys. And they um, gave them to the court personnel and gave you to the court personnel, and they left. And they weren't happy. I think they were crying. A couple were crying, and they, and they left. And then people you have never, ever met in your entire life came up to you and collected you. And took you home on the very first flight back to Atlanta. And we went with you. Hmm. We were on the same plane. Wow. Tony and I hopped on the same plane and we watched you. And um, Kelsey was fine. She wasn't melting down like everybody predicted she would. Mm. She was laughing. One time you, 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 she said, where's mom? Where's mother? No, where's mommy? Where's mommy? And that was your, that was your what you called Shirley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and that was it. So you might be wondering, was Divine ever charged in the homicides of Robbie Bryant and Janelle Helms, even with all roads seeming to lead back to him? Well, no, he was not. A source close to the prosecution told me this. At the time, they were waiting to see how the case related to the trust fund and misappropriation of funds would play out. Well, when those convictions were overturned, the state became concerned that an acquittal could be possible if they proceeded with the prosecution of Divine for murdering Robbie and Janelle. So that means all these years later, Robbie and Janelle's murderer, whether Mr. Divine or someone else, has remained free. In fact, he's 77 years old, still living a life, in Florida. And whoever did this, of course, is free from consequence, free from justice, free from accountability. That's angering. It's maddening. More importantly for me and for Kelsey, it's heartbreaking. In my personal view, it seems probable that one person most likely had the motive to kill the young couple, and I'm sure you agree with that. And how terrible things might have gotten for this person legally had Janelle and Robbie lived, and had they decided to seek legal remedy for the missing money. So, what happened to baby Kelsey? Well, she's here, and she's ready to talk with all of you about what this has been like, to live a life with no memory of her parents. The only memories she has are the videotape recordings of reporter Randy Travis's coverage of their murders the stories of her parents' friends. And Randy Travis, that reporter, is also speaking out, letting us all know what it was like to cover the case, what he grew to learn, and what he might feel about it all these years later. And lastly, is Billy Mac Devine still a person of interest in the murders? Or are there other persons, perhaps? Well... 
The Athens-Clark County Police Chief, Mr. Jerry Salters, is speaking to us directly about where the case currently stands. And might I just say on a personal note, how far we've all come to have this podcast and our police be able to hold hands in good faith to seek the truth and justice together. That's all I've ever wanted. All of this and more on the final pre-recorded episode of The Murders of Robbie and Janelle. Next up on Classic City Crime, I'm Cameron J. Classic City Crime is hosted by me, Cameron J. Original design by Kyle Kazaya. Research assistance provided by Elizabeth DeRusso. You can find us online at ClassicCityCrime.com, on Facebook and Instagram at Classic City Crime. And be sure to subscribe now to hear the next episode before it releases to the general public next week. And keep in mind, a portion of proceeds from this podcast production will be donated to Kelsey Bryant, the surviving daughter of Robbie and Janelle. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for your support.